I've come to realize that saying no is not a weakness. It's a strength. It's a recognition of your limits and a commitment to preserving your well-being. Welcome back to Teacher Tales, where we give you the keys to overcoming teacher burnout to find work-life balance and educational bliss, if it still exists. On this Socratic Sessions episode of Teacher Tales, Just Dom and I provide some clarity on when to say no, even when you love your job. First, recognize the significance of prioritizing your mental and physical well-being by setting clear boundaries. Second, acknowledge your own capacity and limitations. You're not a superhero and you don't need to be. Understanding and respecting your personal capacity gives you the best chance for optimal performance and long-term career success. Can I can I just start okay. by saying something? Learn to say no. <laughs> That's what we're talking about. I am just learning the beautiful art of saying no and how it can change your life. Tony, you just made a change where you finished coaching. You finished in your coaching career, right? Or for now. So what like went behind that? And what was your decision there? Oh, that's a great question. So when I figured out that I just wanted my time back, I couldn't, I didn't want to be obligated so much to one thing that I couldn't do anything else. And so, you know, when you're a coach, you have to be there every practice. You have to be there for every game, every competition, every tournament. There is no, uh, you know, I'm going to see you guys next week. I need to take a break. There are no breaks. So as a coach and coaching two sports where basketball season usually starts at the end of October and goes into February-ish, and then also being a softball coach, the season for softball has already started, you know, once basketball season is over. So I would just jump right into softball, and that goes until. I think April because I had maybe a month left before, you know, before the end of school when the season was over. So I just had to look at the things that I wanted to do outside of school. So my wife and obviously my son, who is two and a half, shout out, yeah, as well as podcasting and just my other interests. Like I, I like to play softball as well. I like to play basketball. I like to hang out. And when you coach, there's a lot less time for those other things. And so that went into my decision to say, to say no, I can no longer be a full-time coach. Uh, But the great thing that has come from that is me starting school. So in graduate school, I'm about halfway done at the time of this recording, (laughs) November 21st, 2023. (laughs) Um, I also, obviously I have a podcast. This is the second one as well as, um, I just, I can now do the things that I want to do. And if I want to go to help out with coaching, if I want to go to a practice and help out, I have those relationships where that's possible. Uh, but now the time is, is mine and not obligated 
to to anyone or anything else unless I, you know, unless I make it that way. So then like you're saying, it doesn't mean that you're not being there for the kids. It just mm-hmm. gets to be more on your terms. Because for me. Right. And so that, but that goes to one of the uh, reflection pieces that, uh, that comes from the story uh, with Tegan, where she had to, number one, set boundaries. So that work-life balance is something that everyone's always trying to get to. It's not easy and it changes. You know, I could imagine that someone without a family, they probably spend more time at work and depending on what they do, they may be okay with that. But once you have a spouse and you have children, I'll just speak for myself, that totally changed, especially when I had, when we had our our son, you know, so that work-life balance is always, it's ongoing, you know, what that looks like. And the same time, if you spend 60, 70% of your time at work, when life starts to change, that 70 may have to go to 60 or 65 or 45. You may need to spend more time away for various things. But how do you, how do you figure that out? Because you have a husband and two kids that are older, or at least older than mine. So how do you figure out like work-life balance and setting boundaries? So this is actually something that I've been kind of going back and forth on because I was lucky enough Mm -hmm. to be a stay-at-home mom um, until my kids got into school. So once my son entered pre-K and we paid for him to go to pre-K, but that's a whole different story. That's fine. My husband was like, so are you going to go to work? And I was like, yes, thank God. Like I've been wanting- <laughs> Can't wait to go back to work. Yes. Like, but I mean, I was lucky because I got to spend those first years with my kid. Mm-hmm. Um, but so they're at school. So when I'm at work, they're at school. That's great. But you know, I coach. I'm the senior class sponsor. I sponsor a club. Like I am all over the place. And I think that like I just said, I'm just learning the art of saying no. <laughs> I think that I have in all of my jobs always before was a mother done so much and done so much extra mm. and done all of this stuff that I just started saying yes to everything. Cause I was like, yeah, that's what I do. I say yes to everything. And I think the turning point for me was when one of our colleagues I said something about like, oh, no, I can't do that because um, my daughter has a cheerleading competition. And she was like, oh, I had no idea you had children. I thought that, are you married? And I was like, oh, my God. Like, yes, I'm married with an 8 and a 10-year-old. Or at the time, they weren't 8 and 10. They were 7 and 9. But I was like, oh, my God. Like, I'm she was like, you're here all the time. I thought that you just mm-hmm. like, that this was everything. And that was my like light bulb going off moment. Like that mm. I'm here so much and I'm doing so much that somebody would think that I don't have a husband or children. That's crazy. And I, not to be overly dramatic, I cried. And you know that I don't like cry about a bunch of stuff, but I was like, wow, am I a terrible mother? Like, what Mm. am I doing that people would think that I don't even have kids? I mean, if you come into my classroom, I have pictures of my kids up and stuff like that, but Mm -hmm. that I'm spending so much time here or at our job that people would think that I have no children. And I was like, I have to step back and I have to figure out 
the no, I needed to stop. And then I like reflected and realized that there was times when I had told my family no, because I had to be at something for work. There wouldn't have Mm. been a requirement. It was because I was doing something extra. And I'm like, that's not right. The no should be to work and the yes to my family. I mean, like, isn't it hard though? Yeah, it's because, hard. Like, I would say we love what we do. Like we actually enjoy, for the most part, being on campus, being around the kids, being around the people that we work with. It's almost, sometimes, it's almost not even a chore. It's like, I want to be here. I want yeah. to do this. So, like now, when people go, well, you should go home. It's like, okay, <laughs> I'll speak for myself. I'm like, well, I'm at home. What I'm, a, I'm just going to be sitting on a couch playing video games. Like, I might, as well just, <laughs> I might as well just be here, you know, supporting, helping, being that, that, fa- that face out there. Because, you know, kids and everybody else, they see it like when you're, when you're there. Like this person was telling you, you're always here. So how do you kind of figure out what to say no to and what to say yes to? So that is a thing. So like, it's really been a balance for me on that. So I've already decided all the commitments that I'm already committed to, those stay, right? I'm the cheerleading coach. That's not going anywhere. So sometimes I do have to say no to my family because that's what I've been doing. I have, this was my last year senior class sponsor. And you know, we were class sponsors to get senior class sponsors here four years ago. And I have been it every year since. Was it that many years ago? It was four years ago. Because it was my second year. Dang. There. It was four years ago. And then I've been it every year since. Um, and I was like, this is it though. Like, And you know I only teach juniors. So my juniors were like, but you're doing it next year, right? You're doing it. And I was like, I will oh. kindly give advice to whoever your sponsor is next year, <laughs> but it's not going to be me. Like it just, I, it I've been be. asked. Yeah. And so I think, I think that I know somebody who's going to do it, but what I have decided, and then I have um, two organizations that I sponsor and I'm right now currently trying to find somebody to take one of them. <laughs> but what I've said is I'm mm-hmm. not taking on anything anything else new and so I because people know that I'm so involved I get a lot of hey could you just sponsor this Mm -mm. it'll be minimum to no work can you just do and I'm like no the answer is no cheerleading is always going to be there I know that my senior sponsorship will end at the end of this year and then that will be done like I said my two organizations one of them kind of goes with cheerleading it's the spirit organization that goes with cheerleading. So that one, not a big deal. But the other one I am trying to whatever. But that doesn't mean, this kind of lines up with you talking about coaching. That doesn't mean that I won't be there for stuff. That I won't mm-hmm. offer to chaperone trips or right. the field or any of those things. It just means that it will be on my terms. And I think that's the most important thing is that stuff be on your terms as much as possible. I will be there for those kids. I will um, volunteer to chaperone every prom until I leave this place. I'm never going to be the person who is the, 
I clock out at 3.10 and you will not see me until 7, right. 10 the next morning or whatever, that's never going to be me. For me and for you, that's not realistic. But Mm-mm. being on my own terms, like, <laughs> makes a huge difference. I never wanted to, like, leave her as basically as a single mom raising our son because I was always at work. So for me, I was always thinking, I was always, always thinking about how much work am I putting on my wife with our son by being gone so much? And then how much influence can I have on our son if I'm never there? So those are two of the questions that I had to answer when I was coaching and doing everything else. So it's it's much better now, but that work-life balance involves more than just yourself, especially when you have a family. It does. And um, my husband and I were talking about, because I have pulled my kids from the school district they are zoned to into our school district because it aligns our schedules. And so then he was, but not to our school once they get to high school. I mean, and I don't know if I'll move or, you know, whatever. But they're mm-hmm. zoned to it, or they're in a different feeder pattern. My husband was like, so what are you going to do when they're in high school? Like, are you going to keep coaching? Because our son plays football and my daughter's a cheerleader. And so he's like, are you not going to go to their games? And I was like, what are you talking about? And he was like, they will be on the same nights or, the, you know, like, right. whatever. There's a good chance you miss half of their games. And he was like, at least, yeah. And he's like, so it it's something that you have to think about. And I was like, it's so soon. And he was like, it's not. And you know, my daughter's about to be in middle school. And I was like, oh my God, it's actually not like it is really soon. And mm-hmm. so he was like, you either pull them into whatever school you're going to, or you have yeah. to give up coaching. And he was not saying it as like a, I'm being like made. a mandate. He, he's yeah. saying like, he knows how I am. I don't want to miss anything of theirs. I throw down everything else to be at their events. So how would I miss their football, their high school games? And I was like, oh my God, I'm going to have to zone them over here. I'm going to have to pull them into my school. <laughs> All of this is to uh, deal with the next thing that Tegan had to deal with, which is preventing burnout. Have you... Have you ever felt burnout? It's probably a stupid question. But <laughs> it's a silly question. Take us take us back to one of those times where you're like, man, I just I need to get out of here. Um, I will take it to the most recent time. So okay. a story that you probably know in and out. Homecoming is put mm. on by our student council. And we did not have a student council rep or advisor during homecoming. I am the senior class sponsor, and the senior class decided to help out by taking on homecoming while I was also doing cheerleading. And we have a big thing for homecoming as well. Mm-hmm. And anybody who knows student council, I mean, obviously, anyone who's listening to this knows how much work and time and effort that is. So I was trying to be a head cheerleading coach and the senior class sponsor where we were doing a whole separate set of events 
and then doing all of the homecoming events. And I should have said no to that. That was a thing, but I was, I took it on initially as like a favor, but I should have said no to that because I ended up being at the school or at the homecoming game all night Friday. I ended up getting to the school at one on Saturday because I had to go to my son's football game first. And then I stayed until five to make sure that setup was finished. I left, went home, changed, came back, and then stayed until the entire thing was cleaned up. So like 1230 or whatever time that was. But everything that had led up to that was vendors and making sure we had the sashes and the flowers and picking those things up because we had because of delivery issues. And so like, I was like, I drove to get the crowns. I drove to get the flowers. I drove like all of these different things, making sure that homecoming court went right. We counted homecoming boats for two. How long did we count homecoming boats for? You were there. It was a long time. It was like two and a half hours. It was a long time because it was almost six or something like that. It was like five something. And we had been counting since school ended. Like it was two hours. And, um, Doing all of those things to make sure that this one event turned out right. And we left the homecoming dance and I went home and I, again, just physically got ill. Like, I, it wasn't even like I was crying. It wasn't like I physically got ill and I was sick. And I was like, oh, no. it felt like I had the flu. Like, my body shut Heck down no. and the girls were like, you always get sick at homecoming because literally I always get so stressed around homecoming because of the pep rally and everything that my body kind of shuts down because I go on like no sleep and all of those things. And then this was like two things on top of that. And I was like, I'm physically dying. This is where I leave you. <laughs> like... And my body was just shutting down and I, and my husband was like, you know, that this is your reaction to overworking Mm -hmm. yourself. And I think that people don't understand that part of it, that overworking yourself isn't just stress. Your body will actually, or can actually start to physically shut down. It is telling you it is time to rest. (laughs) And now you are going to take the rest, whether you want it or not. Because I'm not going to let you do anything else. That's basically what happened. Yeah. um, Homecoming is a beast. There's so much stuff that has to happen. And uh, I just, yeah, saying, saying no, trying to set those boundaries. It's, it's hard to do. Like we've mentioned uh, before, especially when you know that you can help with something. Um, but preventing burnout is, I think it's one of those things where you got to like, I guess, check yourself, you know, each day, you know, each week, like, okay, how am I feeling? Like check in with yourself. Like, Do a temperature oh, check. Put your hand on your forehead. Yeah. Nope. Good <laughs> no. to go. When I think of burnout, one of the uh, first instances I think of is the part of my brain I want to forget. And that is. COVID-19, when that happened, 
and we had to teach during that. You want to talk about being burnt, just sitting, looking at that screen and nobody has the camera on or maybe like a couple and you just see ceiling fans Yep. and nobody wants to talk to you. Yep. And I just could not wait for it to be over. Like I hated that time. Teaching during that time was awful. Now it got better once we got back to the school. And they were like, if you want to teach from school, you can. I was the first person up there. Just being in in my classroom helped to kind of prevent that that part. Um, and this kind of goes into like the next part where the next thing Tegan had to deal with was protecting her mental health. Um, so when I was able to be in the classroom, kind of back in my element, like my mind was on to teaching. When I'm at home, like I'm not, you're in home. I'm not ready to to be a teacher, and I'm in home mode. There we go. <laughs> I'm in home mode, dad mode, uh, husband mode, not teaching mode. So when we were able to get back into the school, and I was able to teach from school, and there was uh, other teachers across the hall or down the hall that I can, you know, stick my head out and see. Like being around people in real life was something that helped me during that time to. I can't say prevent burnout because it didn't because that time just sucked. It sucked for all of us. It sucked being a teacher at that time. Um, But man, that's the first story that I thought of. And then last year when our head softball coach was out and I just had the girls by myself (laughs) and it was really getting on my nerves. And the thing that I was thinking is like, I'm not a head softball coach. I'm literally here to just like help out somebody who knows what they're doing. I am not the person (laughs) that is supposed to be doing all of this extra work. Like, I don't know this stuff, you know, but in, but now like games are in my hands. I think I had to coach, I think it was like three or four games. Oh my God. And do like like, the lineups and all of the, everything that had to do. All of that. Everything. And so we didn't win any of those games. Um, part of it, one game I feel like was definitely my fault, right? So <laughs> yeah, like that was me. That one game was me. That one. Well, I, at least uh, there was something that I could have done. So, you know, in baseball and softball, umpire makes a call that you feel like is questionable. You can go out there. You can talk to him. Say something. So I saw that the play was close. It was like the last inning. I think we had one out. So this was our second out. And I mean, to me, it looked like our person was out, you know, but even if I would have gone out there, I'm like, I don't even know what to say to the umpire. Because if you don't say the right thing, they're not going to change the call. Even if they know the call is wrong. I'm like, this is not what I'm supposed to be doing. That's all I could think of in my head is like, I'm not a head coach for softball. Like I just felt so defeated, you know, at that moment, you know? And so I was just like, that was a burnout moment for me because I was just in the situation that I just, I didn't really want to be in. I, I had no control over it, you know? So, woo, that mental health side, but like, you know, jumping you into that part. Bad. Hold on real quick. The key word that you just said was defeated. And I feel like as teachers, 
that is a huge part, <laughs> like, that mm. defeated that burnout of just feeling defeated for teachers or coaches. When you hit that spot, that's when everything starts to go the other way. Like, and you can't right. even control it. You feel that defeat. And again, I've said people don't understand this or people don't think like, whatever the way that we take that to heart, that personal, that personalness of it, of like, I was defeated. Like, that's like a crazy part. I just wanted to point that out because yes, a lot of the times when I've hit that wall, because I'm like, I mm -hmm. am defeated and I feel defeated and no one wants to feel that way right. in any job that you do. Like, much less whenever, like we've said before, you have to be on all the time. When you're coaching, you have a whole squad of girls or team of girls there and you feel defeated and you're like, I can't be the one who's defeated because I have to lead these people. Right, right. Oh, man, that reminds me of another coaching time. Oh, my goodness. I was coaching JV girls basketball. And I had a couple of pretty good JV teams. Like, I didn't have any superstars, but I had enough skill. I had enough speed. I had just kind of had enough in most areas where okay. I'm like, we can be competitive. I want to say it was the third year coaching because I coached the girls basketball for four. The third year coaching, I had a team that was just god awful. I was like, <laughs> I mean, we lost the game like 64 to four. 68 oh to eight. We had just some absolutely horrible games. And the hardest part was at the very beginning. Because remember, I had two like solid JV teams. Yeah. So like those first couple of games, like first or second game, I would just be sitting on the bench like, what am I supposed to do with this? Like, I don't even know what. If there is no play that I can call that is going to make this better. <laughs> like, just run. Just do something. I don't know. No, for sure. So one, there was an email that was sent to the head coach. Shout out to my head coach. She's got to deal with all the junk. Uh, there there was an email that was sent that said, like, Coach Franklin was just sitting there. Like, he looked. I think the word was defeated. He looked like he gave up or something like to that nature. He was just sitting on the bench. And I'm like, dang, they right. I had to reflect. I had to self-reflect. <laughs> I was sitting on the bench like, this is impossible that we lose and it's bad. Because I just, I wasn't used to it. Like there was, I just hadn't felt before that, I hadn't felt the sting of like getting blown out by 50 yeah. points. At least not on the JV level. You can yeah. at least have competitive teams yeah. to just lose by so much. And it was so embarrassing because, you know, everybody looking at you like the coach, you have all the answers and you don't, you know. So, yeah, those are definitely my defeated moments in sports. Uh, in the classroom, I would say the defeated moments happen when you give all the directions, you give all the, the, the instructions, everything that kids need. And then when you, when you see the work, it's just terrible. It's like, did I miss something? Like, like what happened here? I would say that's definitely not as bad as the sports ones because 
because there's no winning or losing. So how do we prevent burnout and protect our mental health? How do we do that? How does the educator out there figure that part out? So for me, I will say one thing that I've already said is that you have to find your people. There's no other way to say it than that. Like you said, it can be on another campus. I have great friends on other campuses, cheerleading coaches. So when I have to deal with cheer stuff, I reach out to them and I'm like, this is my issue. Here's my problem. And they will talk me off a ledge (laughs) because, you know, we've all been there. (laughs) And somehow when I wasn't looking, I've been doing this so long that now I'm one of the like, veteran cheer coaches because nobody stays in this for a while yeah so now people are reaching out to me and they're like can I talk to you about something and I'm like about what (laughs) (laughs) but obviously like I'm gonna be there for them (laughs) and so to me that's like you need the people that you can vent to because I can vent to my husband all day but he doesn't do what I do Mm-hmm. And so he's not going to get that. I mean, you, your wife doesn't do what you do. So you can mentor her all day and it's great like to have your partner, you know what I mean? Involved in that, but they mm-hmm. don't get it on the level that somebody who does what you do gets right. it. So yes, you should have that outside support group, but you also need that inside support group. That person who can be like, I was there last week. Let me tell you, this is what mm-hmm. happened. And The other thing that I'm just like 100% is that you have to find something that makes you happy, like truly and genuinely happy, not distracted, not like, kind of kills time. Something that just makes you happy because you get enough joy stolen from you (laughs) when you're being defeated. You need to make yourself happy again. What do you think? Uh, I'll jump on that second point that you said is doing something that makes you happy. For me, that is definitely playing sports and not necess- not coaching, like actually playing. being out there, yeah. playing, getting to swing the bat. Like so, right now I'm in a cup. I'm in the softball league, which has been so much fun. I've been doing that since the summer. I stopped for a season because I had schoolwork, a lot of school, <laughs> uh, but. I'm thankfully back, uh, but that is joy to my life. And then uh, playing basketball, I was just hooping two days ago. What's today? Tuesday? Sunday, I think I was hooping. And, uh, it, I mean, just being in the gym, shooting the ball around, you know, and then when I get to run up and down, that's always something that's really fun. And the last thing uh, I will say that just fills my joy cup up is being able to do stuff like this, like doing my podcast, being able to talk to people and create something is something that I really enjoy doing and helps me uh, to prevent burnouts and protect my mental health. So boom. Boom. I hope you all enjoyed that conversation between me and Just Dom. It's always a pleasure having her on as we provide the keys to unlocking the teacher life you desire. Before we get out of here, remember, it's okay to say no. In fact, it's necessary.
as much as you want to or as much as they ask, you can't do everything all the time. Saying no is okay. Just do it the right way. This will help you both in the short and the long run to prioritize the responsibilities that align with the path and goals you are striving for. As always, thank you for listening. Keep teaching, keep learning, and I will see you all on the next journey.